Welcome to the Patriotic Pulpit. Last week, we talked about public education, and I want to continue the same track, and that is public education. I'll call this show, Leave Them Kids Alone, Why Public Education is in Trouble. And I begin with an article that is in Fox News regarding the report card of schools in the Chicago, Illinois area. But as you will see, a listening continuing in this show, this is not isolated to Chicago or the state of Illinois. An alarming report has revealed that dozens of Chicago schools claim that no students are proficient in either math or reading, despite the state and federal government funneling billions of dollars into education into the Windy City. No students proficient in either math or reading. Illinois State Senator Willie Preston, he's a Democrat, so he's going to have a skewed vision on what needs to be done. But he does say, and he's a father of six, and he discussed this on Fox and Friends First and how parents and lawmakers can help the city and the public education. He said, government is not the anthem for all things. That's what he told Griff Jenkins. I think that we have to re-engage parents, have parents actively take a role inside the schools when they can be. But in addition, we need to make certain that we spend our money in the right way as it pertains to our children's education. Now, let me make a comment here, and I want to underscore the point. We need to re-engage the parents. Now, he, of course, is treading on thin ice for the Democrats, Socialists, and many Republican socialists in our Congress at state level and at the federal level because they believe exactly that parents need to be pushed aside, sidelined in education, and not re-engaged. So he is already in trouble with his fellow Democrats. Wire reports, or rather Wire Points, released the findings that stem from a 2022 data from the Illinois Department of Education that indicated that in 55 Chicago public schools, no students— None, not one, were reported proficient in either math or reading. There were 22 schools that had no students who could read at grade level. Another 33 schools claimed that no students can perform math at grade level. Statewide, there were 53 schools that reported no students proficient in math. Another 30 schools reported zero students are able to read at grade level. So here's where the Democrat gets off on thinking about what we can do to remedy the problem. He sees the problem, and so the Democrat Preston, Willie Preston, makes this statement. He says, well, he says the problem is, and he blames it on, the pandemic. And he said, given the virtual and remote learning that students were forced to participate in, he said, that's, that's the problem goes on to say, I believe this is something that is a byproduct of some of our policies that we were taking during COVID. This is a very serious issue and one that is farther, uh, well, rather, I'm, I'm sorry, one that as a father and as a lawmaker, I'm going to be addressing feverishly. Now, right here, let me just stop and say this has nothing to do with the pandemic or very little to do with the pandemic and virtual learning. And all you have to do is go back, very simple, to look at the data, you go back to pre-pandemic educational levels, and you'll find exactly the same story. You can't blame it on the pandemic. I'm not saying that the pandemic had no effect upon it. It had no dent 
in public education. But I'm saying we cannot blame, and we certainly wouldn't put the primary blame of failing schools and failing students on the pandemic. That certainly is irresponsible. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what some of the people who answered him pointed out. And incidentally, here's something else that we might think about. This is, and you hear the word systemic all the time. This is systemic. It's systemic in public education. Why is this the case? You'll find that to be the case, the same type of readouts, whether it'll be talking in Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles. You'll find exactly the same type of thing, even though the curriculum has been dumbed down throughout American public education, you still find absolute failure in the schools. I remember an article that Walter Williams published about, oh, I guess it was seven, eight, nine years ago, and he talked about the public education in Washington, D.C. And the interesting facts that he brought to light were the following. Number one, the Washington, D.C. schools were the worst in the country. Zero students proficient in math and reading, just like we're reading in Chicago today. At the same time, you know what public educators want to say? Well, we need more money. We need more money. We need more tax money. That's just exactly the wrong answer. As a matter of fact, Washington, D.C. schools received more money per student than any district in the entire nation. And yet, no students were passing. So what's the answer? Is it more money? No, it's not more money. There's something else behind it, lurking behind it. So this fiscal year alone, going back to Chicago now, Illinois allocated $9.4 billion to the Chicago public schools. And the federal government allocated another $1.8 billion to the school system through the American Rescue Plan. Now think about this. This is the American Rescue Plan sponsored by the Democrats headed by Joe Biden. American Rescue Plan, what we need to rescue America, more money. That's their answer. That's a Democrat answer to everything. And the more money you throw at it, the bigger the problem grows. Go figure. What's the problem? It's not about lacking money. So despite the gravity of that report, Preston argued that teachers cannot be only the only scapegoat, and I appreciate him for this, for the tremendous achievement gap in the classroom. I don't know that it's fair to lay all this at the feet of teachers. I think there are other factors, Preston said. There are a lot of children that are facing homelessness that are not attending classes regularly. There are a number of factors in addition to that. And a lot of these children are coming from poverty-stricken communities. I don't argue that that affects the grades as well, that poverty-stricken communities and homes that are in poverty, that affects it. But that is really not the key to the answer. No, the answer is a little bit deeper than that, and it's more simple, actually. So Preston said he's hopeful that Chicago will reverse the trend and start appropriating tax dollars the right way. See, it's all about money, how much money we can appropriate. And so the poverty-stricken communities, once they answered, give them more money. That is absolutely the wrong answer. What is the answer? The answer goes back to the philosophy of education. What is education about? What should it be about? Whose occupation should it be? And how is education or how should it be organized? Let's think about all of that for just a moment. Now we're turning attention to 
a Christian worldview. Now, I want you to think about a Christian worldview. The Bible teaches that God has authored three different institutions, three of them. Number one is the home, Genesis chapter 2. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife. The two shall become one flesh, Genesis 2, 24. And it's the home, the father and mother, that have the responsibility of raising children. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 in the New Testament, fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but nurture them in the admonition of the Lord, the teaching or the instruction and the admonition of the Lord. This is the responsibility of parents to raise children. That's number one institution is the home. Number two institution is the government. Romans chapter 13 in the New Testament shows us what the role of the government actually is or should be. And in verse 3, beginning in verse 3, Paul, the writer of this passage, tells us, rulers are not a terror to the good work but to the evil. Would you have no fear of the power? Speaking about government power here. Would you have no fear of the power? Do that which is good, and you shall have praise from the same. But if you do that which is evil, be afraid. For he bears not the sword in vain. He is a minister of God to thee for good. Who's the he? That's the government is a minister of God to thee for good, and he bears not the sword in vain. That's a reference to capital punishment. The government's role, according to God, is simply to keep the peace and an orderly society by punishing evildoers, punishing the wicked, and encouraging those who do right. That's the only thing. That's the government's job. That's the government's role. That's how our founding fathers saw it, too. Why do you suppose they saw it that way? Because they had a biblical worldview. I said there were three institutions, and the third one, of course, is the Lord's Church, established on the first Pentecost after the resurrection of our Lord in Acts chapter 2. And it is the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, this institution that God established. So we have three different institutions that God established. Now, the main question I want to ask here is the following. And then after this, we'll go to break and let you think about it during break. Which institution is it that education is an adjunct of? Does it fall under the home? Does education, public education or any kind of education, does it fall under the home and the obligations of a home? Does it fall under the obligation of government? Does it fall under the obligation of the church that is in public education? So with that question, we'll go to break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the answer to it and where we have gone wrong in public education. Back in a moment. All right. We thought about it. The home, the government, or the church. Where does public education fall as an adjunct of or a part of it? Under which of those headings? Well, it falls under the home. Public education or education is an adjunct of the home. Now, someone might point out, well, the church is to educate also, and that is true. The church is to be edifying, which means teaching. People are to be learning the Word of God, and that's exactly what the church is to do. But as far as public education, we're talking about mathematics, science, history, all of those things, they are to be taught by the home. The Bible shows us from beginning to end, it's the responsibility of a mother and father to teach the children. 
For example, in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Or Deuteronomy chapter 6, here we have what is called by the Jews the Shema, that is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, with all of thy strength. And these words which I command thee this day shall be upon thy heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in the way, or in the house, when thou walkest in the way. You shall, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall write them for a sign upon thy hand, upon the, they shall be frontlets between thine eyes. That would be signaling all the time you're to be training your children in the way they should go. And that's exactly what Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9 is all about. Ephesians chapter 6 in the New Testament, we have exactly the same thing. Fathers are to train children. Fathers, you notice that's the fathers. That's the responsibility of the home. Education, public education, is an adjunct of the home. In other words, parents have hired schools to train their children in the way that they should go. But what has happened? What's happened? Well, you know very well what's happened, and that is they've kicked God out of the classroom many years ago. But also they've changed the philosophy of education, and to whom do the children belong? Now, with that in mind, I want to turn attention to an article that appeared in the Washington Free Beacon. And this is called, and that's after which I call the show, called Leave Them Kids Alone. Now, this is actually a book review, and the book is called Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. And the article is written by Alex Nestor, Washington Free Beacon, and is published March 12th this year. Now, here's how the article begins. Now, I want, I've set all that up earlier just to introduce this particular article. And I want you to listen what is stated by this public educator in the state of Arizona, now, we've gone from Chicago to Arizona, and what is stated by this educator? A teacher testified, reads the article, before the Arizona State Senate Education Committee earlier this month and claimed that she and her colleagues knew better than parents what books belonged on school library shelves. And she said, I have a master's degree. What do parents have? Well, you talk about arrogance. Arrogance gone to seed. Wow. Now, in the video that is now circulating on Twitter, this educator stated, the purpose of public education is not to teach only what parents want students to be taught, but it is to teach them what society needs them to be taught. All right, let's just stop here for a moment. Number one, the crass, hysterical, idea, hypocrisy, and arrogance that goes into this statement to say that we know better than parents what needs to be taught. That is, that is absolutely astounding, but that's exactly what many public educators believe, that they know better than parents what's good for their own children. You think about that for a moment. Now, I realize that there are many dysfunctional families and many single moms and many, and many parents who don't have any help in the home and they have no, not, not know which way to turn, and there are many dysfunctional homes. But be that as it may, 
Whose responsibility is it to train and teach children? It's the home. And yet, here's the public educator. I have a master's degree, and I know better than the parents what to teach their children. Here's something else to think about. Who is the spokesman for what society needs? Do we have to have a master's degree to make a determination? You know, to talk to the doctors and the, that is the, those with PhDs at the university level and those with master's degree at the university level, that's exactly what you would think. And that is they know better than you do what you need to have your children taught. They know all about it. Let us step in. And that's exactly their disposition. We know better than you do. And so they kick the parents out of school board meetings. You see it everywhere. But the basic problem here is what? It's a philosophical difference. It's a basic communistic Marxist idea that the state and state actors know better than you do what to do with your children. Now, that's exactly where we are in education. Well, let's just carry that out a little bit further. Let's just take her statement here. I have a master's degree. What do parents have? That's a good argument to cause parents not to be able to vote, isn't it? Let's just let those with master's degrees, because they know what society needs to be teaching, and they know what society needs better than parents do. So let's let the parents back away from voting Keep them out of the voting booth so only those with master's degrees and doctorates can vote. How do you like that? No, the Democrats are not going to like it because, after all, their sugar stick is the people on the welfare roll that receive so much money from taxpayers, which is really theft. It's legalized theft, taking money from my pocket and putting it into Eric's pocket, who's sitting across the table by government force. That is theft. And Democrats love government theft, and so do many Republicans. So they're not going to want to say, no, you, you can't, you're not going to vote, you, you people down here on the bottom. You can't. No, they're not going to say that, but that's the, that's the logical outcome of what this teacher had to say. We have, I have a master's degree. We have, we have higher education degrees, and we know, and you don't know. I tell you, we, this society, boy, we are upside down, aren't we? So parents are become sidelined, for example, on the onset of the pandemic, and parents began raising concerns about the long-term impacts of the lack of education or video education for the children. And because of their concerns, they were branded as racist bigots for wanting schools to reopen. That's exactly what they said in Chicago. The Chicago Teachers Union said, well, you want the schools to reopen? You are a bigot. You're a racist bigot. Well, Look what's happening in the Chicago schools as well as elsewhere. Now, there is a silver lining. This is from the article. A silver lining the Washington Free Beacon tells us about virtual learning, and that is that parents, and perhaps unfortunately for the first time, were able to look inside and access the kids' classrooms, and they saw exactly what ideology the children were being taught, divisive race ideology, anti-racist math lessons, they had discussions on whiteness, white privilege, race-based privilege and oppression, history teachers telling students that America was founded on racism. Parents sounded the alarm bells, and they were again mocked for so doing. And the DOJ sent the FBI into school board meetings to remove the parents that were concerned 
with crass sex education that were being taught to the kids. Why is that being done, by the way? Why is that being done in the state of Texas? Why is, why is sex education, for example, in the Austin public schools and other city schools, why is that the case in the state of Texas? Because the teachers and the teachers' unions and the public education sector have the idea that this teacher in Arizona has, and that is we know better than you do what to teach your children for society's good. Get out of the way, parents. That's their idea. Well, that's what's happening in public education today. Now, the article continues on. We know it says, for example, to a much greater extent than in March 2020, that divisive ideas about race and gender are pervasive across our institutions, K-12, higher education, even in medicine. Can you imagine in medicine, doctors, the media, every, every avenue. And in the face of the endless pushback, three years later, moms and dads are still fighting because they know what is at stake, and that is the children. Well, that's what's taking place. And we'll continue just a moment after we go to break. Before we go to break, I want to remind you that this show, Patriotic Pulpit, is on a couple of apps. One of them is Spotify. The other one is Amazon Music. You can find this show, Patriotic Pulpit, in both of those places. The website is American Liberty with Bill Lockwood. You can donate to the program, if you will, and if you care to, because this is a this is a, a work that I don't make any money. I, I make zero dollars. Matter of fact, I redline it. So I make no money, and it's not going into my pocket. So it's my own labor. That's all I, and I'm not paid for it. So if you care to donate, happy to have you. If not, that's fine too. Now, my articles, you can find my articles on the News Talk 1290 website, which is newstalk1290.com, articles, and you can go there in the news page, and it has articles by Bill Lockwood. You'll see uh, several of them. Not only so, but uh, you can also find my material on iowaparkcoc.org. That's Iowa Park. COC stands for Church of Christ. Iowa Park, Church of Christ, iowaparkcoc.org. And you can find articles that I've written, uh, papers that I've written, sermons that are preached, just reams of material, much more than you can find regarding my radio show. So all of that, that's how you can access me. You can email me if you wish to. You can find all those links on those particular sites. So, all right, when we come back, we'll talk more about Leave them kids alone. What's the problem in public education? Before continuing that article in the Washington Free Beacon, which has a lot more in it, we'll just notice a couple of the things in it. Before I notice that, back to the Fox News digital article, and I made a statement earlier in the first block here regarding what the teachers, or what the teacher union, rather, in Chicago said. And here's their statement. They put out this statement, and I want you to listen to it carefully. As 2022 academic scores were reported last fall, Chicago public schools saw that, by and large, our scores were consistent with other large urban districts. All right, so what's the argument here? Well, hey, yeah, none of our schools are passing. None of them are meeting the grade. None of our students are sufficient in math and science or math and reading. But, but, hey, Look around. Everybody else is the same way. Now, how does that make you feel? You know, oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've done this. Uh, your kid would say, well, yeah, I've, okay, I did that. I, I, was, uh, I robbed the store. But look, I was with a bunch of other kids that did the same thing. <laughs> that doesn't mitigate 
the fact that they did what was wrong, and this doesn't mitigate it by saying that other major school districts and urban areas are following suit with Chicago. That's the same thing in everywhere we see, and we know that is true. And here's something else they say, well, this is, this is not a reflection of the extraordinary talent and of the potential of our students and staff, and we reminded that these are a direct reflection of the pandemic challenges. You know, I get so tired of hearing people talk about the potential of students. I, we all know that students have potential, but the potential is not going to be tapped as long as you have schools and classrooms that are out of control with no discipline and much of the student body are smoking marijuana and out of control, whether sexually, morally, and other areas with drugs or misbehavior, destruction of property in schools. Yeah, they have potential, but you're not going to tap that potential as long as mayhem reigns. And the idea that this, well, this comes about because of the pandemic. No, they've been plump, these school scores have been plummeting for years, not in Chicago only, but nationwide. It's a huge, huge problem. So now let's go reach back in history for a few moments. This is this is a co-founder of communism. Friedrich Engels, and he writes a book in 1884, and it's called The Origin of the Family, Private Property, and the State. And he makes three basic points in it, and and we're going to tie this together in just a moment. I want you to listen to what he has to say. He says, number one, we want unrestrained sexual intercourse with young people and all people. Unrestrained. No restraints whatsoever. Number two. Now, this is going to have to follow. All people are to be freed from the care of their own children so they can fill socially productive roles. All right? So you don't have to, we don't want you to take care of those kids. We don't want you training those kids. Turn them over to state schools. In other words, you're just the breeding partners, and you breed these children, these offspring, then you turn them over to the state for for care. And he actually suggested that we're going to have herders, just like sheep herders. We're going to have a bunch of herders, people taking care of these kids and indoctrinating them with state education. Now that sounds a little bit familiar to what we've heard from the Arizona master's degree teacher, the woman who said, Hey, we know how to teach these children for socially productive roles. You parents don't know. You don't have a master's degree. You sit down and shut your mouth. Now, that's the attitude that they have. Where does it come from? Right here. People like Friedrich Engels, communist, uh, communist philosopher, along with Karl Marx. So that was, those were two of his ideas. Number one, unrestrained sexual intercourse, free children up. That is, he wants, he wants all the women to go back to work right now and to be productive in, in some machine factory. And then number three, You need to recognize, he says, that marriage is a recent invention. It was only invented by greedy men in order to protect their private property. Now, that's the idea of communism. That's the idea of socialism. It's a Marxist worldview. That is now dominant in many universities. That's the idea. So, oh, now universities are teaching that kind of nonsense and that anti-God, ridiculous material, What do you think that people are getting their master's degree so that they might be able to educate your children? Oh, they're going to those schools. 
and they're learning from Marxist professors. No wonder they come out talking like that. That's exactly where it comes from. Well, you know, obviously you can see immediately we have three institutions. Which of those institutions is it that education is an adjunct of public education of the home? But what have we done here? Friedrich Engels, Karl Marx, and the Marxist and our social, uh, the professors of sociology, psychology, the professors in academia, all of them tell us that no education is an adjunct of the government. Government. That's why they're government schools. That's why there's a Department of Education. It's a government adjunct. Do you see what's happened, people? Ladies and gentlemen, they've taken the children away from the home and put them in the government. And government schools are the responsibility, or responsible, I should say, for what's taking place. And so with that in mind, consider what this, the Free Beacon article tells us regarding education. While parents were told to listen to science, racial justice protesters were applauded for gathering in mass because medical experts deemed that systemic racism posed a greater threat to public health than the coronavirus pandemic. Okay, so supposedly science says, well, you can't gather together, you can't get six feet uh, within six feet of another person and have to wear a mask and blah, blah, blah. Okay, can't gather as protesters. But, oh, well, you can as if you protest, protest what's going on. You can gather as a protester, but if you're racial, if you're a racial justice protester or social justice protester, then that's fine. And you can get down there and burn a police station down. That's fine. But you say these people are such hypocrites. So hypocritically, the authors note the national focus, and this is remember a book review. The authors focus. The national focus on racial disparities completely excluded the challenges that students, including minority students, faced during all these public pandemic lockdowns. Furthermore, the push for equity, even in schools. What is equity? Equity is equitable outcome. We want everybody to have the same grade. Socialism applied to grades. Social equity or public equity, even in schools, overlooked these students. The equitable practices implemented in schools often hurt the very students they were claiming they were serving. So, for example, Markowitz, who's one of the authors of the book that's being reviewed in this article, notes a case in the Seattle public schools where a shift toward ethnic studies-focused math education actually reduced performance rate for black students in the district. Now, what, what was stated here? Did you hear that? Ethnic studies-focused math education. What does ethnicity have to do with mathematics? What does ethnicity or gender identity have to do with science studies? What does it have to do with reading? Not a thing, not a blasted thing. And yet, they want to insert it in every area of education. And what happened? The education plummeted even further. Aren't you tired of public education becoming the testing grounds for every wild-eyed theory that comes along and every Marxist ideal that they preach? Aren't you tired of them experimenting on your children with all of these things and here's a new way of education? Let me tell you something. Schools are failing. Students are failing. And I'm telling you, 
that if you're a teacher in the school and you come out saying, okay, I'm teaching mathematics and we have 50% of my classes failing because they sit in there, may they may come in and they don't care about anything. They may have a bad home life. I don't know. They may have a good home life. They may have, they may be high. They come into class. You can't arrest them. The eyes are bloodshot. They sit, they don't do anything. And you know what? You might have half the class failing algebra two. But you know what the administration is going to tell you? You go back and you change it. You can't have that many failing because that's your fault. You're going to have to have only 10% or 15% that are failing. That's the highest percentage. So what does that tell you immediately? Just think about it for a moment. What does that tell you immediately? It tells you that we're not really focused upon the actual scores of students and what their performance is. We're about social passing them along, social passage. We're not talking about whether they pass the class or not, or they're academically inclined, or they're they're academically able to do the mathematics, because that's that's something that's observable. That's something measurable. And you, and you as a teacher said, I have just come away with 40% of my teacher, of my class failing. Administration is going to tell you, no, that's your fault. Somehow you've got the fault here. So what do the teachers do? Well, they go change the grades. A lot of them, some of them don't. Some of them have enough backbone to stand up and say, I'm not doing such a thing. <laughs> they have enough integrity to say, I'm not doing that. I've been teaching. I'm doing my best. But you know what? I'm not changing the grades. Some of them change the grades, say, okay, well, well, I'll go back and he's got a 50, but I'm going to give him a 70 and he's got a, he's got a 55. I'm going to give him a 70 and there you go. That's what's happening. Well, the Washington free beacon after witnessing what is happening in the school's parents and some reporters outside of the mainstream began uncovering divisive race and gender ideology in other institutions as well. For example, the Disney corporation, Prime example, last year, its executives admonished the passage of Florida's parental rights in education bill, which banned classroom discussions about sexual orientation and gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. Now, I would come back and I would amend that particular line. It's not sexual orientation. It's sexual preference. Sexual preference is not orientation. That is propaganda that the homosexual network pushes upon people. It's sexual preferences, sexual choices, choices that people make. People are not born homosexual, but they put orientation out there to brainwash the American public to say that you're born that way. No, you're not born homosexual, but that's how I would change that particular line. More disturbing was a subsequently released video in which a producer touted her not-at-all-secret gay agenda, which included, included adding queerness in children's movies wherever she wanted, and no one was going to stop her. And even worse, activists have embedded race and gender ideology into the field of medicine. Can you believe it in the field of medicine? What does science, I asked the question earlier, have to do with gender and ideology and gender and race? Well, medical schools now require applicants to submit essays about their experiences with implicit bias or their dedication to social justice-focused political activities. What have you been doing for social justice lately? That's how we're going to admit you or equitable patient care. 
America's future doctors are being selected because of the commitment to equity, not academic ability. Well, I'll tell you what, when I have someone operating on me and taking care of me, I don't care whether they believe in equity or outcomes-based education or gender ideology. I want excellence, and you do too. But we're going to lose all of that because this is the way our country is going. All right, we'll be back in a moment. I have two books in front of me. I want to read an excerpt out of each of the books just to illustrate and underscore what we've been talking about as far as why public education is in serious trouble. And this first one is from is published by the Epic Times. It's called The Specter of Communism is Ruling Our World, and it's volume 2, page 93, about sabotaging education. And here's the paragraph. The object of education, so that's what we're looking at. What is the purpose of education to begin with? What is the object of it? It's to maintain humanity's moral standards and preserve its divinely bestowed culture. And that's an interesting line, divinely bestowed culture. Culture refers to religious presupposition. The word culture has a root word of cult, which means what are the religious presuppositions below the culture? Every culture has religious presuppositions at the bottom of it. So to maintain a divinely bestowed culture, it is the means, education is the means, by which knowledge and craftsmanship are imparted to people socialized and people socialized. Let's get along with one another. Traditionally, the well-educated respect heaven, believe in the divine, seek to follow the virtue of benevolence. They possess extensive knowledge of traditional culture as well as mastery over one or more trades. Dedicated to their vocations, they believe in treating others with kindness. They serve as pillars of society, the national elites, the guardians of civilization. Their extraordinary character and behavior earn divine favor and blessings. I'm reminded of the passage in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, where it tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord, that is respect for authority, is the beginning of learning. That's the beginning point of wisdom. Now, he didn't say, Solomon didn't write, the beginning point of knowledge. People can learn a lot of facts. They can learn a lot of things, and they can have, they can have brilliant minds. But if they don't have a healthy fear of the Lord, that's respect for authority of God and respect for authority in society for, for example, fathers respected in the homes by children, mothers respected in the homes by children, police respected in society by young people, teachers respected in the schools by the students, and God respected in society by the citizens of society. If you don't have that, you don't have wisdom, and wisdom is the application of knowledge in order that we might live a peaceful and tranquil life. And so that's a great statement that the Specter of Communism book put out. And the purpose of education, the very, the very purpose of it, the reason that education exists, is simply that we might have a peaceable, godly society. That's the object of education. Now, what's happening, however, is is the following. This is from a book. This is the second book. This is called Crimes of the Educators, 
How Utopians Are Using Government Schools to Destroy America's Children. The book is written by Samuel Blumenfeld and Alex Newman. Alex Newman I've had on the radio many times, and uh, he's just a great spokesman. We'll have to have him back talk about this book some more. Here's This is from page 21, and, and it's about the dumbing down of education, how it was purposely educational. Uh, education was purposefully dumbed down by John Dewey, and he goes through all of that material. But all of this dumbing down is deliberate and not some sort of huge national accident as has been proven by the work of courageous and indomitable whistleblower by the name of Charlotte Iserbit. I-S-E-R-B-Y-T, Iserbit, I suppose is how you say her name, who, who served on the school board of her hometown in Camden, Maine, where her sons were attending school. As a conservative, she discovered that she was being lied to by the liberal superintendent. She then went on to serve as senior policy advisor in the Office of Educational Research and Improvement, U.S. Department of Education, during Ronald Reagan's first term. Concerning her appointment, Isabit wrote the following. My reputation of being an education activist firmly established, Reagan conservatives from D.C. invited me to become a part of the demolition team established to carry out President Reagan's promise to abolish the U.S. Department of Education. Off I went to Washington to serve as senior policy advisor in the most important office dealing with education in the world. I had zero credentials for such a job, which would ordinarily be held by a former president of Stanford, Harvard, Columbia, whatever. Had I not been plopped into that job, I would never have had access to all the incredible documents, ones dating back many years and ones outlining the present restructuring of education. All these documents of all the federally funded grants going around the world to change all nations' classical education systems to Skinnerian outcomes-based global education. All right, what did she tell us? She said, when I got into the Department of Education, I found all the a trove of documents that shows us that all of this, what we see, the dumbing down of education is not by accident. It is the purposeful dumbing down of education, erasing classical education from the times of Robert Owen, who was an atheist in the 1800s, and, find, and particularly in John Dewey, the early part of the 20th century, erasing classical education and dumbing it down. She finally said, I got myself fired for leaking an important technology grant. That was the end of my career at the U.S. Department of Education. However, before I leaked the technology grant to human events, I removed all the other incriminating education documents from my office to my apartment, and many of them became the basis for deliberate dumbing down of America, a chronological paper trail. That's the name of her book. So her mammoth tome, based on research and documents that she retrieved from the Department of Education, proves that the dumbing down process has been engineered by American progressives to to, uh, determine to mold American children into members of the future utopian world socialist government. So writes Blumenfeld, as well as Alex Newman. That's exactly what we have taking place in America. So before I, before I sign off for the day, I want to make one word about Christian education. People want to, people, many people have pulled those children out of public education, put them in homeschooling, and they feel a lot better about it, or they put them in, educational facilities or educational in in schools that are Christian based. But you have to be careful 
because even some Christian-based education or Christian-based schools or Christian schools have also been taken over by the LGBTQ community. And there's an article here that I have about Urban Christian Academy in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, I'll just go through the bullet points here. Last year, Urban Christian Academy added a statement to its website citing its belief in the holiness of the LGBTQIA plus community. Do you know when within six months, UCA had lost 42% of its funding, and by the end of the year, it had lost 80%. The local churches that supported the school cited the new belief statement as the reason they pulled their funding, and the belief statements involved the homosexual belief system, the LGBTQ community that they wanted to insert into public education, or rather private education into Christian school. So you have to be careful where you send your kids. We have in Wichita Falls a great Christian school. Wichita Christian School is a great school, has Christian-based education. You ought to check it out. Wichita Christian School, it is Bible-based. It is solid, conservative, run by great Christian people. So there are options that people have for what the failing public education system. <laughs> 